Welcome to this Adelaide Place podcast. My name's Fiona Stewart and what you're about to listen to is the fourth of four conversations I had with Stephen Crothers, our lead pastor, about his sabbatical in spring 2022. In this conversation, he reflects on what's next, talking about ageing, competitiveness and something that God has laid on his heart for the next while, a project called the Liturgy Collective. Of course, if you'd like to speak to Stephen about any of this, maybe ask him some questions or find out a bit more about what he's thinking about, then you can catch him on a Sunday or you could always drop him an email. I'm sure he'd be delighted to speak further about the topics we've touched on. One thing just to let you know before you start listening is that towards the end of the recording, the rain came on. It is Glasgow after all, and you can hear a bit of that on the skylight. So if you are tempted to look up because you can hear rain in your earbuds, don't panic. It's just on the recording. Here's our conversation. This is our fourth conversation yep. on the topic of your sabbatical. I feel like you could just keep talking for yeah. hours about it. I know. Um, one of my revelations, let's just talk about me for a minute, mm, of last let's... year was realising that I'm no longer young. Because I turned 50 last year. And right. it actually was quite a milestone yeah. in terms of... Um, I, I kind of feel I'm a bit more accepting of the fact that it's all right, I am getting older. That I can just embrace that rather than pretend to be young. Yeah. How about you? <laughs> um... Obviously, I am. <laughs> Obviously, I am still young. Yes. So, um, yeah, I. It, it's definitely interesting. That's why I'm just for the record. Not fifty. Not fifty yet. I am forty, and for you know, circa three weeks, depending on when this goes out. I could be forty-one by the time you even bother listen to this. Um. There's definitely changes that you ex- you that you experience spiritually, physically. I'm not as fast as I used to be, and I could wax lyrical about that. But it is it is interesting. Um, it's not something that I, maybe it's something I'm growingly cognizant of. Um, but I think I came back from sabbatical with a sense of. Um, a wee bit more, in some ways, carefree or determined. Um, I don't know if this is a thing for people who... If people have... Well, you've gone through your 40s, so you, you can tell me, but you, you're aware of the measure of time just a wee mm-hmm. bit more when mm-hmm. you can sort of visualise, not sound too dramatic, the beginning from the end. You've, because, you've picked up the yeah, top yeah, of the yeah, roller coaster. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I'm still on... Yeah, still on the climb. Still on the climb. Yeah. When you can see that, it kind of gives you a sense of your own finite life, time, and but I guess that can go different ways. But for me, it's going towards where like may as well have a go, uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> may as well not play it as safe. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've heard somebody say that you know, not many people when they look back, maybe and maybe it's too extreme to think on their deathbed. Not many people will be like, I'm glad I played it safe, or you know, or most people will look back and go, like, I wish I'd done a wee. Yeah. A bit more risk and a bit more... And, and I sense a bit of that. I sense a bit of urgency, not panic, just uh-huh. <laughs> um, just <laughs> urgency to be about what I want to be about. That sounds a bit selfish, but it feels a bit more like that, what I feel God's put in my heart to be more present to the moments of life and realise it's such a gift. And in in, in ways that... You know, I I just couldn't even put on my f- frame of reference. You know, through twenties and thirties. You know, I guess people have different life experiences that draw out different realities. And for me, 
yeah, the one of the gift of being in forties now feels like, come on, let's let's not be found playing it too safe. Uh-huh. Let's not be found talking like somebody else's ideas. Yeah. Let's own yours, own your ideas, own your things that you're not sure on, mm-hmm. own your mistakes, and don't let them stop you. I think I I feel like I don't know if it's the benefit of sabbatical or just some of the realizing where how the the fragility of life i feel like my head's more in that space than than ever um it's a kind of sweet spot isn't it of recognizing that but still being having the energy to give it a go <laughs> i'm, I'm <laughs> Make ho- the most i'm literally <laughs> praying and hoping that there's a sweet spot in my 40s god willing that yes i can have energy and um yeah, and, and some of it will be coming off the back back of sabbatical, isn't it? Some of it is about also where we're at in terms of yeah. moving into a new season as church as the, as we come back into the building. Yeah, like the new project done a bit of a kind of go again with with some of that a bit post pandemic as well, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, mm-hmm. Is there anything that you think I'm really glad I had that three month time, or there was some adjustment in your thinking? Yeah, in your approach to how you do ministry. Yeah, I, I hope there's been change. I, in some ways, I didn't even set out to need change. Back to I didn't need an outcome per se. It wasn't like I, you know, but but I sense there has been a change. It's maybe, maybe it's for other people to say rather than me. But I, um, over the the three the three months felt like a, a good uh, amount of time to let uh, certain things go and I, I guess one of the things I've tried to take back though it's been difficult in this particular season of well A we've, we're trying to move house, bought house and the church building uh, project has influenced the coming down <laughs> you think about where you put all your stuff doesn't coming it? down the mountain <laughs> glowing has been a wee bit of a, uh-huh. a slap around the face mm-hmm. and like just carry on but I felt really determined about how I use my time to be adding, just spending more time in, call it a sweet spot, in, in uh-huh. what you're there to do. You're gifted in. What you're gifted in. And and, and, and jobs like mine, I feel like it, they, at times can be perfectly designed to pull you in a hundred different yeah. directions. Yeah. And again, I felt a bit more of a determination just to, to not be pulled in a hundred different directions yeah. and actually, um, for me, yeah, just prioritise some of the um, time and in particular areas. Some of that is in theology, some of that is in prayer, some of that is in... And actually, the realising, one of my sort of thoughts has been over the last few years of, of just noticing the different modes of when I'm in leading and when I'm not... It's very easy just to get in a mode where you deal with what comes at you, which is life and you have to, but, but sometimes you have to actually make a stand, make an impact, have a conversation, say enough of this, we're going after that. <laughs> there's, mm-hmm. there's moments you come to realize, I'm not leading here, I'm just managing. Uh-huh. Like, just, you just accept whatever hits yeah. that play at the table that week. This doesn't cost me. Like, I, I, like, and, and so I feel like, some, like, more aware of the mode when you're actually hopefully spirit-led 
and actually to use a cliche like stepping out of the boat a bit more and I feel like just noticing when you're you've avoided doing that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's very easy to get I've been at the place 10 years it's be very easy to try and either not coast because it's not really I'm not a coasting type of person but um but I, I yeah I, I feel like more of an a, a, an urgency to to step into some leadership and and into some unknowns and mm-hmm. I, I yeah I think that's been a sabbatical thing just uh for me the big thing in that is fear of failure fear of um what other people think mm-hmm. and actually I feel more ready to move beyond that to 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 go after um things even if they don't work or even if it doesn't make me popular. Uh-huh. Um, did you know I'm popular? I mean, <laughs> always with me. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a big thing to try and... Yeah. yeah and actually... Yeah. I, and, I mean, I don't know. This is not an observation of you particularly, but I, I, think, I imagine there might be quite a kind of competitiveness as well amongst a peer group. Or there's always a competi- there's always, almost a competition to not be competitive. You know, to not look at what other people are doing. You call me competitive. Yes, I yeah. am. Yes, I am. You're <laughs> the you know, best at it. Yeah. <laughs> I need to focus the competitive bit and not apologise for it. Uh-huh. Know, know when it falls into like non-growth and disintegration and know there's a competitive streak that can be growth and godly. And for me, the I need to own it. If I don't yeah. own the competitive thing that's in me, then I will either mask it or suppress it and it could be more um hidden or 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 not useful mm-hmm. and actually i want i actually feel this might sound wrong or strange but i'll say it, god calling it out of me yeah. all the more yeah i'm actually I'm, I'm better whenever there's competition and i don't mean that in ministry but i'm better when there's something to compete it's the whole that's why the sports analogies and Paul and he says I, I fight I don't miss my punch and I run as a uh, going to finish this race mm-hmm. I mean he was drawn on sports analogies for a reason yeah. to say it speaks to something about being human Yeah. of we worship a God who we image and we have responsibility to steward and he says come on uh-huh. Uh-huh. I, I, and so for me that might not be the right word then competitive but there's something in it for me that actually can be frowned upon which for me is like no no there is a good zeal here that actually more often than not other people say they they affirm it when it's working in a good direction i know people who rightly not affirm when it's moving in a bad direction that's a football reference but i missed that completely sorry but (laughs) yeah yeah i i think yeah yeah i mean and i suppose one of the things i was kind of going after that that question a little bit was, was was just about what you want to do with other people beyond our congregation as well. So you, you've come back with a kind of desire to bring people together to some extent in that beloved community that you talked about. Yeah, yeah. one of the things... Uh, like, as I don't mean that com- in a competitive sense, but in a, in a, in a collaborative sense. There's something around yeah, the yeah. collaboration. So one of the things I thought God put in my heart was this um, a, a new liturgy collective, which was a, a group of people in Scotland, worship leaders, pastors, spiritual guides, who who still hunger for for God and and particularly go after encouraging those people who give out a lot. And I and I had a sort of reluctance about it because I was like, it's not like I need more work. <laughs> I've yeah. got enough to do. 
But it was, it, that's where the sense of cause, like, do you know what? I, I just wonder how post-COVID, how many church leaders or worship, um, worship leaders, pastors are feeling fired up with how we're doing what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Because it's, it's, we're in a different climate, we're a different sort of rhythm. And, and yeah, I felt quite convicted about, on the one hand, gathering the people together like that who have a hunger but just want encouragement, want mm-hmm. to be, um, find that safe place for them to be grounded in who they are before God. But then also have a conversation about like what's going on at the minute about worship and church and how we do it and and how can we blend some of the genius of the historic faith, the liturgies, with what we hold precious and what people hold precious in the contemporary movement of worship or the charismatic movement of worship or whatever the the, the thing that we hold precious is how can how can we bring those things together and have a worship practice that. Um, is connected to discipleship that sees us through all seasons. And so I suddenly realised, actually, God's been stirring up this worship thing in me, which almost feels as... I, is that reconnecting with something of yeah, of where you've come yeah, from? Yeah, I almost, almost had been dismissive of, uh-huh. like, because it's all about mission and missional. And I, I always had... You, talk about the prophetic I always I, mm-hmm. I used to be a worship leader and it's mm-hmm. kind of how I cut my cloth and leadership was I led worship mm-hmm. about a thousand times um when we were up in Aberdeen and I always felt like um Claire was even commenting uh, from the weekend away we were away with the church not so long ago and I, I brought my guitar home and I started playing it again and uh-huh. Claire's like that's what you used to always do it's part of your own worship and prayer and, and so there is a thing for me that I've kind of almost not blocked off, but just uh-huh. pushed to the side, but almost in the same sense of church. Like it's the one thing we do every week. And as far as I realize, we still do it. So it must have a value yeah. that's still in keeping with whatever needs there are mm-hmm. of mission. I wonder what it would look like to really own it afresh in this mm-hmm. post COVID moment where people are, the norms have been changed mm-hmm. I wonder what it would look like to have fresh wind, fresh fire mm-hmm. for that. And particularly on the journey for me was is worship that feels grounded, that can lead us through all seasons. And and one of the things in New York that was, was brilliant, just some of the analogies of about worship and liturgy, um, is, is Aaron Nequist. He said this thing about, I think it's from his book, The Eternal Current, and he talks about worship in two sort of metaphors. One is diet. He's like, look, the meal we've been served is not a bad meal. Mm-hmm. Like the pep talk rally and the four rock songs and the hymn. It's not a bad meal. It's actually brilliant. Like, there is a, definitely a place for that. But like all diets, we need a balance. Uh-huh. And, and it's yeah. not the only meal we serve up every time. Yeah. And and then the other one was about language and words. He said like sometimes we... Like parents know that you, they have to teach their children words that they don't realise they're going to need. But they need at some point they're going to realize. So like, please, sorry, thank you. Uh-huh. Like we teach our kids to say these words, and they're like, they just say them by rote, and they don't really have a, yeah. realize they're going to need these words. And similarly with worship, there's words of lament, of confession, of sorrow. You're going to need these words. Uh-huh. You might not realize it yet, but you will. And I started to be like, look, 
like we are killing ourselves at point in the church if we just offer them the one meal. Mm-hmm. We're setting ourselves up for failure if we set them up for like there's this exciting period of your life where you're going to love that meal. Here's some words because there's going to be moments when you feel like God is absent. Yeah. God is not there. Your work is miserable. Your work is killing your spiritual life. Your family life or your loss is too much. Mm-hmm. Here's words that you're going to need and you're going to need us to say them together. So we're going yeah. to help you say them. And I actually started to realize, again, is that sorry, what the internal thing wasn't just an internal recovery of my love of music and that was more, I think there is a need for that journey particularly for people who lead and end up modeling mm-hmm. something because then we get to say model week by week the church mm-hmm. here's what the christian life looks like and you don't have to be on a mountaintop every week and and so the the, the liturgy collective is hoping just to gather some people um who care about that craft who who want worship and, and this is my other thing worship i love it when it's done well whatever that means but it's certainly not just spewed out and not practiced or you know i love i want personally i want to hold some of the contemporary stuff about practicing well delivering things fluidly and well so that it helps the participant yeah but i want to challenge the one dimensional mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. i want to challenge the just individualistic thing Mm-hmm. I want yeah. to challenge the seasonal thing, yeah. and I, that's what the liturgy collective is is about. It's not forcing people to give up what they love. It's mm-hmm. about allowing that to come together with something else, and and that's definitely something that I feel like. Do you know what I I whether or not like three people turn up and um, and go like I, I I'm willing to just to have a go at that because mm-hmm. I think there's an incredible need. For us, I've heard two of too many people, and it's been expressed like this from a couple of different people, of that journey of a sort of nutritional journey where their passion just dissipates. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes that's because I don't, I can't feel like what I used to feel, mm-hmm. and I kind of want to say, you don't need to. You don't. That's yeah, yeah. That's a false expectation. You don't need to. False expectation. And and actually, yeah. Yeah. Interesting, interesting, and, and and what it seems to me is as well is what you're creating there is is a space for people to create new. Yes. So for for people who want to write songs, for yep. people who want to to yep. explore different ways of yeah of leading 100%. liturgically, I think that's a really interesting thing. I, I think it's really interesting as well, and this is just getting into a kind of personal thing, but it, it it's drawing in more than just the pastors. But so when you're talking about the pastors, yes. priests, and the guides, yes, I'm imagining you're you're also extending that out to the Poets. The poets and the writers and the... No, you know, not, the, no, no. Okay, they're not yeah. welcome. All right. So you're on your own with your three people. <laughs> yeah. No, 100%. No, but do you know what? There's something there that's quite beautiful because it's about bringing the... It's bringing the, the gifting of the body, isn't it? It's yeah. the, there's something about... There's, the, there's almost been an odd thing that's happened. Priesthood of all believers in that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think there's an odd thing that's happened, I think, in my journey and lifetime of worship. There's the, the one man sort of, usually, yeah. <laughs> uh, show... Um, which then the minister that passed it in delegated the worship usually to the, worship to, to the young person uh-huh. who could play guitar, uh-huh. usually badly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and they almost took their hands off. Uh-huh. And it's this weird disconnect. That they were happy if somebody set the stage for them to preach. And actually, there's something of like, well, no, the, the pastor, the leader should care about the worship and yeah. life of the church. But maybe it's not an either or them or the worship leader. Maybe, maybe the growth is actually in bringing 
um, the different uh, and and uh, different voices that can craft something with the spiritual leadership still involved. Yeah, and you know, and and I think there's something potential to be explored on what that looks like for the the spiritual leader, the pastor, not to be engaged in the music, uh, because it uh-huh. formed to be engaged in the prayers, the poetry. And to create space for the other people to bring their contribution that will have its own unique sound that actually will, will help us do what we hope, which is this breadth of journey that can only come when there's the breadth of people. And, uh-huh. and I think there's something potentially life given in that, that. And it's, it's the mutuality of that as well, isn't it? Because, because even as you were speaking there, it was making me think about the fact that yeah. we need the pastors. Yes, in yeah, that mix yeah, exactly. because the danger is that the poets go off and write the poetry 100%. and it's, it's great but it's it's to some extent indistinguishable yeah, good luck if you, you're giving from... your church over to the poets <laughs> no like... I mean genuinely because you've got all sorts of stuff yeah. that, that you know I happen to be thinking about on a Monday morning <laughs> but equally and I wonder if you can relate to this I've heard it expressed by theolo- anonymous theologians how, uh, I always ask a theologian how they feel when they come to the church is is interesting I, I suspect sometimes they feel a disconnect um, but there's something about like what can I bring to this? And yes. I wonder if you ever come yes. to church and, and be not like, try to have what other people have, yeah, yeah. but bring what, yeah. You, be, you see be the one dimensional meal served uh-huh. up and you're uh-huh. like, I could broaden this out or mm-hmm. I have a thought on that. And and I just wonder how many churches have that when you actually step by and think people there and they're going like, hold on a minute. Um, I might have something I could bring in this. And and I guess I'm, I, we're trying to, an adult place trying to get that process where there's a bit more of a collaborative discerning community mm-hmm. who expect the transcendent powerful god to be present yeah. through his people yeah and not and not an idealized version of his people who mm-hmm. have this sound and it's but but you know um bonhoeffer always had the thing about warning us not to be the accuser of our brethren and it's very easy to look at our community and go like oh i wish we were that and why are we uh-huh. not this and I actually go like what if we started with saying, who has God put us here and as we are, uh-huh. not as we want to attract, yeah. as we are. And I wonder, would that allow certain people to feel like, I actually have a genuine contribution uh-huh. here. And yeah, so I get... Well, I want- Which is interesting because it, it takes us back to what we talked about before about inclusivity yes. as well, doesn't it? That you, you come into this place with a sense of, this is a safe place. Yeah. And who I am and what I bring. Is, is that something like just to throw it back to like I guess I'm putting you on the spot but do you ever feel when you go to other churches or Adelaide place you feel like do you know I don't have time to go to other churches <laughs> do you ever feel like actually there's just a need for a broader diet just more you mean you mean in terms of I don't understand your question you, do you, do you ever, mean when I come back here yeah I guess it, it's a question is there a need your, for a broader here do you mean or, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. a broader Diet in our worship, yeah. or else yeah. does it ever feel like actually I wish there was more voices? Actually, I wish my you know, like I, I feel like I could bring I, something. I, I, yeah, I don't think it's something I think about. I don't feel it hugely at the moment. I actually do think we do have quite a collaborative environment at, at Adelaide Place. I have over the years, though. I have over the years felt I don't really know what I bring to this because I don't quite fit. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's just me. Mm-hmm. I don't think it is just me. I, I, and I think it's something about the kind of artistic gifting thing. Mm-hmm. That mean, and I think, and interestingly, the other people I've heard speak about that are, are theologians and mm-hmm. people who teach academically mm-hmm. theology. Yeah, yeah. That you sit, 
we, we seem to be quite similar and sort of sitting slightly outside of... There's an uncomfortable of, relationship, I see, uncomfortable, between yeah. the, the academy... And it can feel a bit like yeah. going to McDonald's, let's be honest, when you yeah. kind of want to go somewhere that's quirky street food, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Or, home, or homemade. Or homemade. Homemade. Uh-huh. Nothing like a homemade that's meal. So true. Like a monkfish curry, <laughs> something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Brilliant. Okay, one more question. Um, what's God speaking to you about at the moment? Today. Hey. How great how great it is to have today people to talk to. <laughs> yeah. Um do you know I, I what's God speaking to I, I I could deconstruct or I could try and deconstruct that question in and of itself, but I, I, today is well I can hear the rain and I can I'm just enjoying talking about things that I care about with somebody who there's who understands I think the journey of sabbatical and so I, there's just a lot of enjoyment in this conversation that we've been having so I feel a sense of um yeah just encouragement in that but the the, the scripture that I keep bouncing around is around first Corinthians and that, that bit where, where Paul sort of deconstructs the, the wisdom of this world, the philosophy of this world, mm. and actually talks about this foolishness of the gospel and the transformative power of the gospel. And mm. I, I, and I, it, it, I almost have this juxtaposition of this God speaking and calling out the contemplative, but also the, the active and the, the, uh-huh. the, the dynamic of his spirit's power. And, and I feel like, I'm just trying to hold those things at the minute and just um, hold together that need to have deep roots in God that sometimes the contemplative tradition reminds us of, but also to be present and in spaces where he will mm-hmm. almost say the language show up mm-hmm. and show he is, his gospel is, is a power to transform and it comes in this form of love. Um, uh, yeah, I, I think I'm just trying to hold those two things uh, together um, amidst this lovely conversation in this strange room in the upper floor. The upper of, room. Uh, the upper room of Adelaide Place. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much. Appreciate the, the chance to reflect and, and chat. And presumably, if people want to come back at you with anything, about anything you've said, ask more questions, put their hands up and say, I want to collaborate in something. They just need to come and find you. And buy me coffee. And buy you coffee. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I would say I did well because I was bought a coffee this morning. I was the recipient of that. <laughs> no, I really do appreciate you um, mm. doing that. And hopefully it has also been helpful. I mean, I know we've set out to make this a thing for, for you to communicate to us as a church and wider, but hopefully it's been helpful for you to kind of just process through some stuff Yeah, as well. definitely. It, it's caught um, me at a great time to coming back from sabbatical just to really keep in step that the things God has said, that's that mm-hmm. reminder and to keep following the thread. And um, mm-hmm. even at times where I'm not sure where it's going to, to go, just to stay comfortable with that. <laughs> <laughs> and be bold as a man in your forties. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. <laughs>